Hi, everybody. I'm Robert Wagner, and this is The Threat Show. This week, we're going to have special guest Kevin Johnson join us. Hi, Kevin. How's it going? Wonderful. Thanks for having me. And we, of course, have our regular co-host, Darren Kinlan, VP of Technology at Fletch, and Chris Wilder, Director of Research over at Tag Cyber. Thank you, gentlemen, for once again joining the show. And so, Kevin, well, he's CEO and founder of Secure Ideas, which is a great role because it lets him be professionally evil. (laughs) But, Kevin, you actually go personally by a different title, don't you? I like to say I'm head nerd. Uh, CEO (laughs) implies a knowledge of how to do business that... I'm not sure I could pretend to have. (laughs) I love your title, man. It's about the most honest title I've heard in a very long time. I I wish that more cybersecurity CEOs would just realize, you know, look in the mirror and say, I am not a CEO. No. Take something a little bit more realistic, a little bit more pragmatic. So good on you. I appreciate it. It's funny. The reason I'm the CEO, there's three of us that own the business. And the reason my title is the CEO is our accountants said, so Denise, who owns the majority of the company is the president. Mm-hmm. And the accountant said, that means Kevin needs to be the CEO. And we're like, <laughs> why? Like, this is stupid. Yeah. And we have accidentally succeeded as a business for 12 years. I think about 80% of CISOs have that same title because of that. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, I, I still think you have a, a, a lot of knowledge to share. And, and later in the show, Kevin's going to actually talk to us uh, about some stuff that he's been working on, including hopefully some ways to make cybersecurity training more available to more people, which I just love. And we're also going to be talking uh, about uh, tactics to better align security with the business as well. Before we get there, Darian, are we ready to burn down the interesting threats this week? Sure. I'd love to get started. Microsoft released their 2022 digital defense report, basically outlining all of the different vulnerabilities that the different nation state threat groups based in China seem to have used and leveraged or even stockpiled for the purposes of nation state sponsored attacks against organizations and governments. So in this list, they outline a ton of different vulnerabilities that were collected over the past year, targeting you know key products, key apps, key operating systems. So the real takeaway here from an actionable standpoint is just making sure that these particular vulnerabilities are prioritized higher in the list of ones that you need to go and patch and resolve. Yeah, this is a lot of this is really be, being driven by the uh, APT 41 and APT 110 groups. They're state sponsored by China, but this is not a surprising thing because you know they teach us stuff in the universities. They spend a lot of money going through this. The whole increase in nation state attacks is is just grown exponentially over the last well six eight months, and it you know and why not take advantage of it so. And Chris, are you seeing a pattern in who they're targeting? Most people tend to think if they're not in the fortune, I don't know, a couple thousand there, that they're not really a target for nation state. Well, I mean, this depends. I mean, most of these ones we're seeing are coming after, obviously, public sector. um, But really a big, big area, one of the areas that our enterprise clients, especially in finance, they're seeing just a massive increase in the number of attacks, especially. And I think part of of it's, you know, we're getting close to the holidays, but 
it's kind of unusual that we're seeing this much uptick. And I think just goes back to the point that, you know, we're in World War III now, and it started as a cyber war. And this is just another another unintended, con- well, maybe not unintended, unintended, but it's a consequence of that. And Kevin, you know that the, the Chinese in particular are masters at playing the long game. What do you think is possibly driving some of this behavior? To me, I, I don't know if I know what's driving behavior, except it's business as usual. I mean, I, right. I, I actually, Chris, I apologize, but I disagree that we're in World War III because that implies there was a gap between the Cold War and now. <laughs> <laughs> like the reality is this has been the way it's been. You're absolutely right. There's an uptick. There's all this kind of stuff. But the idea of the world at war We've been doing this forever. The only thing that we have changed is the ease at doing the attacks Mm. without hurting people directly, right? Like we've just made it easier, in my opinion. I think that the report is great. I think Microsoft's right. They're stockpiling these things. But I don't think anybody should be surprised that China is stockpiling it. Let me rephrase that. I think that if you are surprised that China is stockpiling these things, you're either brand new to the industry and haven't paid attention or you're an idiot. I I, I just don't know the right answer to say there. And I I don't mean to insult anybody. Okay, I do mean to insult people, but I I agree with you, Chris, that this is is absolutely worth it. Many of our listeners may not come from an InfoSec background, so they might actually be surprised. This is pretty, like you said, pretty common tactics for nation state. They like to keep as many exploits in their pocket that haven't been used out in the wild so yeah. that when they need them, they're, they're available. I mean, let's not be inappropriate, but I'll be inappropriate because that's what I am for. <laughs> um, you can change the name China with U.S., and U.K., and sure, Russia, absolutely. Yeah. And, and any other major company. If, if Let me be blunt. If the U.S. government is not stockpiling exploits and payloads and things like that to use maybe they need to not be the u.s got right like, <laughs> i believe they are right like that that is part of what they do it's a common tactic absolutely yes. yep well let's go to the next one it's right. quite interesting so as you know there's been a number of different political unrests occurring in iran right, over a whole bunch of other issues related to equal human rights within the region. We are starting to see an uptick where now hacktivists are trying to to shine light on the inequality through the government of Iran. And in this particular case, this is really a report outlining a particular hacktivist group called Black Reward by the Cluster 25 uh, Threat Intel team. And they've uncovered not only what was leaked by the hacktivist group, specifically, it was confidential information about Iranian enrichment, presumably to uh, weaken the Ira- Iranians' position on the world stage. But they also detailed out specific tactics that this particular hacktivist group leveraged in order to compromise these Iranian organizations. You know, you can kind of go through and understand and untangle the motivations behind this hack. But ultimately, at the end of the day, for, an, for a defender, what's really interesting about this is actually the fact that, you know, there were actually common types of malware that were used to accomplish this particular hack, which you can kind of see down here. Mm-hmm. This makes attribution much, much harder because you might have been able to attribute 
the usage of some of this type of malware or specific malware families previously to cyber criminal activity, but now it's in the hands of hacktivists and could be used for those purposes as well. So things got a little bit more muddy. Well, the full complement of uh, uh, an understanding of the tools, tactics, and procedures of the hacktivist group, basically anybody could sort of masquerade as that group. Yeah. Correct. Ke Kevin or Chris, we, we debate a lot in InfoSec uh, just on the value of attribution. I mean, sometimes it can be a value, but what do, what do you all think about the importance of attribution here and how serious is it that others can sort of act as uh, imposters of other groups by copying them? Well, I think that I think the best ones are the ones that don't have a signature and they don't have, you know, common TTPs and, and you know, they're, they're not in it. A lot of the hacktivist groups that we've seen are very much, they want to show the world what they can do and how smart they are. You know, we're seeing this really hitting, obviously, Iran. I, I think it's great that they're doing this. It's, you know, I like what they're doing. And um, it's, it's ironic because Russia has recruited... Iranian hacktivists to hit Ukraine, which the irony of this whole thing is interesting. But but one of the kind of going back to kind of the first one, the first CV, and then kind of what we're talking about now is that, you know, this uptick is happening. And, and the work that I do, um, um, I do a lot of, we'll just say public sector work in MENA, the Middle East and North Africa. And this is one of the things that a lot of these, a lot of the, the governments and the telecoms and the infrastructure providers there are actually backing off on a lot of these projects because they don't have their cybersecurity houses in order. Mm. So they're stopping the digital transformation or what they call country digitization, especially through North Africa, and, and uh, which is kind of, they have some oppressive governments there as well. They call them light socialists, but, you know, it's dictators, but they're, they're backing off on a lot of these massive projects just because they're they're getting hit with hacktivism and and also other other bad actors it's become a massive challenge um both politically and and economically for for these regions if i may robert yeah. i think the answer to your question of how important is attribution be attrib okay i can't say the word but let's go with it <laughs> right i can attribute it um yeah. i um i think the answer to that is depends for the sure. vast majority of organizations they don't care who hit them. They care they got hit. But in certain cases, attribution is absolutely critical, especially when you start talking nation state and, and things like that. The ability to attribute it to a specific group, and this will mess with that. But bluntly, I think that we have long known that the tooling in use is not necessarily a guaranteed attribution. Right. This just reiterates that that tooling can become available to other people. It's a symptom, it is an attribute, it is something like that, but it, it, it's not a slam dunk. And I, I actually think this is good because a lot of the companies that I've worked with that do attribution, that do, okay, we're gonna find the TTPs and, and whatever, many of the crappy ones, which of course, none of them would be on this show, solely focus on tooling. Well, they use this tool, so it must be oh, this wow. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. That, this, this helps with that, right? Um, so that, that's about I, the equivalent of being able to figure out which carpenter nailed the nails in your house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like people say, well, it came from this IP address, so it must be this group. Like, uh, I'm not, you know, it came from 127.001 also. And so I, I think attribution is nice to have. But for the vast majority of people, it's, it's, it, it's not important. 
I, I agree. I, so for, for large organizations, probably worthwhile um, because that's all about to getting to know your continuous attackers. I think a, a lot of smaller organizations make the mistake of getting focused on that and then buying one of these tools, by the way, that does attribution in this poor way when there, there's so much more that they should be focused on and, and worried about. Worrying about who it was that attacked you as a mid-market organization probably is a waste of your time. In the government world, we got to the point where we could look at everything holistically. But one of the things we we got to the point where we could kind of see when the attacks were coming, where they were going, which hackers they were, we would actually give them stupid dopey nicknames. And we knew we knew when the, the first team was on and then the second team would come on or when the, the good hacker would go off and have a smoke break. You can just watch the traffic. <laughs> It was incredibly important for us because it was we were able to target defenses based on you know who was it's a cottage industry so we were to be able to target based on their their work schedule. It was it was really fascinating to go through and I know the guys are getting better but it's you know we're we as a country and a lot of other countries tend to take a look at a very we look at this from a very defensive perspective, sure and not analyzing the you know not being proactive about it but. Yeah, we thought we were being cute and we gave everybody a nickname. <laughs> but that government use case is exactly the yeah. kind of organization that I would think would benefit from that sort of attribution, right? Where, oh, yeah. where you're yeah. literally trying to figure out so much about your enemy because you know they're not going to be just your enemy for today or tomorrow. Whereas yeah. if, if you get hit as a smaller org, it was probably just an attack of opportunity. That's most of them are, yeah. All right, last one here. Yeah, last one is a uh, ransomware group that's been around since about 2019. Originally started out a Russia-based criminal syndicate of sorts, building up capabilities, but now they've seemed to made a splash targeting and hacking a uh, defense contractor based in France. So the, the Snatch ransomware group uh, started out from arguably humble beginnings, but certainly has made a pretty bold move here with you know, going after what arguably would be a much harder target. Well, we would hope that a, a military and defense contractor. Yeah. Yeah. Be, uh, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that assessment. I... <laughs> <laughs> and this one particularly interested you. You 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 found this one interesting, right, Kev? So for me, I think that this one talks about two things that I find odd. One is we very often, you know, here's a case where ransomware group lands ransomware and then to prove it they release data of what was it 95 megs or 94 megs of data from the target to do it and and so one i think it's interesting to me because so often we hear from people that they were hit with ransomware data obviously wasn't stolen because it was encrypted and it's like no 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 ransomware <laughs> is often let's hide egress by just encrypting everything and then right after we stole it right um, so that's important for people to understand that, you know, when you hear ransomware, don't assume data wasn't because to do the ransomware, they had access to the data, right? Right. The other thing, though, that I find funny is we talk about it as hacking. And the question is, okay, is it? This is Kevin being pedantic, right? But I'm not sure I'm comfortable with, okay, somebody clicked a link and downloaded software that stole data. And I don't know if I call that hacking, right? Uh, don't get me wrong, you were hacked. There is a certain level where the term hacking in my mind is too broad 
to use that we have to get better at dis distinguishing the sure. difference between, <laughs> hey, somebody clicked the link, they ran ransomware and they got control of one machine to, hey, they got into the network, they took control of all this stuff, stole all this data. And those those are both hacks. I don't know. And but that's the first just, one's more just stealing, right? <laughs> yeah, you know? and, 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 you know, talking about stealing, I think it's a good example, right? We hear for calls for legislation to make this illegal, but the reality is they stole something which is already illegal. Do we need another law that we know the politicians will screw up, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, this one is interesting to me. I What I would like to know, and I don't know, I did not look, so they released stolen data. What was the stolen data, mm. right? So how far in? And and I'll I'll use a different example, right? Marriott, what was it? Six months ago, reported oh. one of the hotels got hit. And if you read what the person got, they only got to that hotel. They got check-in information about people at that hotel. Right on. That to me is good because not it's not good that hotel got hit. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it was good that Marriott kept it contained to a single hotel in this case yeah they're a military contractor but i've worked with military contractors as i believe everybody on this call has military contractors have portions of their network that have nothing to do with military contracting right, <laughs> right? So, so what got hit what data got stolen and, and yeah. I, I just don't know i didn't realize it was check-in data i mean I can imagine they were doing a lot of room service or something with that one, but <laughs> I didn't order this. Uh, <laughs> I, I just kind of, kind of containing your your pedantic thoughts. You know, it's a lot of a lot of times a lot of folks confuse. You know, compromise with breach. You know, just because you've been compromised doesn't mean you've been breached. But if you've been breached, you've certainly been compromised. <laughs> yes, I think the 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 semantics that we use in cyber. There's a lot of I guess that's probably what I guess we're going to talk about education later. But, uh, you know, I think just kind of getting getting a common nomenclature, I think, is is going to be something that's very helpful, to, not just to to us as cybersecurity professionals, but to the industry and, and you know, business as well. And, and for those not in security that may be less familiar with the tactics of ransomware groups, keep in mind that they're going to try and hit you two to three times if they successfully get someone to start up that ransomware, right? They're going to try and hit you up for money to get that data unencrypted. They're then going to steal the data and either try to sell it to you or to somebody else as a second hit. And then a, a, a third potential hit might be simply blackmailing you where uh, they'll say that they'll use the information to either damage you or, or in, in some other fashion, get a third payoff from you regarding the data that's been stolen. And Darian, I, I wasn't sure, was there a, an additional thing that you had about the exfiltration itself? You well, I mean, most organizations rely on like second stage or subcontractors to do their operations, right? right? It's like the typical supply chain of a major organization or company, right? So when you hear that a major company got breached or hacked, was it really their infrastructure, or was it potentially an authorized subcontractor, right? Sure. These details tend to get lost in the weeds when reporting these sorts of issues. So it, it goes along the lines of what was the true impact or intent of any breach to an organization when you read about it? 
And along with that, it points out how important it is for any organization, even if they don't have a full-fledged security team, to just simply understand all, all the points of ingress into the organization, right? What you're connected to as far as third parties, or as we learned a couple months ago, even a, a thermometer in a fish tank, if it's connected to the internet, it's a potential point of ingress, right? So simply knowing where just all those points of ingress is a worthwhile exercise. Precisely. So that's the burndown. This is, this is all stuff that could be potentially coming your way, uh, listeners. So be on the lookout for this kind of stuff. And there'll be open access to all of these threats, courtesy of Darian on the Fletch website. So you can follow the links below. If you want to check out more detail, get to the articles themselves. With that, Kevin, you've been working on a lot of stuff. I was actually so excited that you said that you would be uh, on the show here. In part, that's because, so before we even talk about the stuff you've been working on, I really admire what you do for the community in general. You do a lot of charity work, and I, I think we see a, a little bit of a hint of what that charity work in, involves uh, behind you. Tell us a little bit about what your charity outreach experience has been. Jeez, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, yes. Uh, so the, the costume behind me, I'm no longer part of um, okay. So the costume that that is, uh, let me see if I can do this. This is going to be awful. Do you see oh, the Chewbacca oh, in the background oh, there? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I belong to and have belonged to it for a while. What we do is we build screen accurate costumes and visit children in the hospital and raise money for charity. So that's what that is. I I think it's funny. The I look back over my career and how many of the things that have gotten me to where I am were because I started something that had nothing to do with what I do. I'm in security as a consultant because I started an open source project because a piece of software I was using wasn't being updated. And I got pissy. <laughs> and forked the project. And <laughs> that led one thing to another thing to another thing. I, I believe very strongly that I am doing better than I deserve. Because I'm doing better than I deserve, I believe that I should try to give back. Like, for example, if you work at a nonprofit charity, we give free services to nonprofit charities. The, the only qualifier is you can't be, and I, I believe I can say this without causing you guys to have a problem, you can't be a dick charity. And <laughs> what I mean by that is, perfect example I have is Westboro Baptist Church, right? Westboro Baptist Church is an organization that protests military funerals and does atrocious things, yep. yet is a federally recognized nonprofit charity. I won't give them free services, <laughs> right? So that that's my idea. You can't be a dick charity. If you're a so, decent charity, if you're helping people out, I don't care about your politics. I don't care about your religion. I don't care about any of that. Just don't be jerks. And so if you're the, not the, jerks- The Will Wheaton, the rules apply. As I think that works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been working on a couple of things that I think, we talked about it the other day. For people who don't know, I'm old. I'm fat and lazy. I've been involved in IT since 1991 professionally. Right. I got my first job right out of high school writing software to help control the power grid, which should scare the crap out of you. Yeah. You got some back doors in that or? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I wasn't smart enough to make back doors. It was just crappy code. Um, and what should really scare you is it's still running part of the power grid today. And um, <laughs> I wasn't that good a programmer in 1991. <laughs> now. And they probably haven't updated the code since then. They probably either. haven't. Yeah, that's the worst part. <laughs> I haven't. I don't know about them. But I got involved in IT in 31 years ago and got involved in security at some level 
over the last 20 years. Man, you look great for 90 years old. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. I'm 49. What I have seen over time is that it has become harder for people to get into the field. Mm -hmm. And it has become harder for the field to be part of the business. Right on. Yeah. I think those two things are, are, um, I believe those two things are connected. Right. Um, so, so let's start with the getting into the business. If you don't mind. Right. I, I was a SANS instructor. I was a SANS author. I've taught, you know, I, I like to say that I'm an international instructor and speaker <laughs> because I've been to Australia once and Canada a few times. What I have found is that we have somehow allowed corporations to be the gatekeepers of learning and data on how to get into this field. Interesting. How do you mean? Well, for most people, if you talk to most people and they say, and I, Robert, I know you've been asked this. How do I get in the field? Right? <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, yeah. how, do I, how do I become you? And my answer always is, I, you don't want to be me. I suck. <laughs> but how do I learn? How do I get into this? How do I, and, and here's the sad part is, there are hundreds, if not thousands of sources of data that will teach people how to be a pen tester, a reverse analyst, a thread hunter, or whatever title you want. But because of the difficulty in understanding whether that source of information is good, most people fall down on the idea of, I have to pay for a boot camp. I have to pay for a master's degree. I have to pay for this program. And, and when training at a boot camp starts at 5K and goes up, and that doesn't even include travel and training, you know, and time away from work and stuff like that. But on the other hand, you have things like, and this is one of my favorite, if you ever have 10 minutes and you want to you want to actually burn some brain cells, there is a Next Gen Hacker 101 on YouTube. And this is a video from like 20 years ago. And yeah. this kid shows you how you can tell who is connected to Google. And what he does is he runs Tracer T is how he phrases it. Uh, and basically <laughs> he runs Traceroute against Google. Right. Number of hops, Traceroute tells him, is the number of people who are signed. The video is hilarious. But my point is, most people think that you have this scale. Like, I can either pay $7,000 to take a six-day class, or I can get free training and be taught things completely wrong. And the reality is, that's not true. There's tons of stuff that's out there. Uh, We've been working with Anti-Siphon. There's other organizations out there that are putting out training that is vetted and good and standard and inexpensive, if not free. For example, not to pimp a specific thing, but we have a 10-week program to practice and learn for the CISP that is pay what you can, including free. And you don't have to tell us why you need it for free. You just (laughs) say, hey, I don't want to pay for that. Okay, done. There you go. You're in. But here's the thing. How do you know it's good? How do you know it's teaching you the right thing? So I've been working on this thing called the Open Security Body of Knowledge, and I'm about ready to start bringing people in to help. Because it it can't be something I do. It has to be something we do. And the idea behind the Open SBK, the uh, Open Security Body of Knowledge, is based on job role and based on level. And, you know, for the lack of a better term, apprentice, journeyman, whatever, right? What do you need to know? If you said, I want to do reverse engineering, what are the 20 things, the 20 topics, and 20 is a made-up number, right? Yeah. Um, what are the 20 things that you should learn to be a beginning reverse engineer? 
this, 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 this. The open SBK is not going to teach you those things. What it's going to do is give you the topics you need to learn. And then somebody who is an amazing reverse engineer, and there's a million classes, right? There's classes out there. What the class can do is say, hey, this class right here that's free or whatever matches what you need to be a beginning reverse engineer. Ah, uh, okay, all right. Here's a level two or a journeyman reverse engineer. And here are the 30 things you need to learn. And and keep in mind, we're just not giving a bulleted list. What we're doing is we're saying, here are the topics that you need. Here is some sources of information to learn that. Now, ultimately, the goal is to build certifications that are inexpensive or free to right. take that people can pass to be able to, because because that's the problem, right? Uh, how much is the CISSP now? $12 million. To <laughs> that might be an exaggeration, right? <laughs> but like I said, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm a greedy capitalist, right? I am trying to make enough money with secure ideas that I can join the billionaire space race. You got to have goals. But the reality is certification and training should not, in my opinion, be a massive profit center. People should not be getting rich. <laughs> learning. And, and I think there's a lot of people that would appreciate that. Kevin, for a, a lot of our listener base, they, they may never even fully want to break into security. Right. I see a lot of folks that are like IT people that have been told, oh, hey, you need to do the security thing. So in, in that sort of scenario, right, would there be something to help someone that's just like, where do I start? Like, yes. Well, and that's the whole point of it, right, is is the entryway in, even if you never become a pen tester or a reverse engineer, which ties to the second part that we're talking about, right, is, is to better understand what the business needs, better understand what organizations need. The idea here is, is to give people the guidance so they know they're not wasting their time and money and effort. Right. They're learning the stuff actually necessary to understand the threats. Because we talk about it, right? Like, you know, I, I always joke and laugh around and, and say to people, you know, did you hear about the uh, double blind SQL injection cross-site scripting flaw that was released in <laughs> this morning, right? And, I, and I'll say something like that. And, and I have people, oh yeah, yeah, I read about that. No, you didn't because I just made it up. Right? <laughs> the, the reality is we are getting hit and breached with vulnerabilities and misconfigurations and problems that are decades old. Two months ago, one of my consultants compromised an organization with permission by using an exploit against Windows Vista. This organization had Windows Vista running in their DMZ. In their DMZ. <laughs> we exploited it from the internet. Wow. Okay. And now we can look How at them. How they not been how, hit already? Well, we won't get into that. But we can look at them and say, look how dumb they are. But let's be blunt. That system ran the system they needed. And... Many of the attackers nowadays don't remember Windows Vista, and so they don't know how to exploit it. So it's, it's security through obscurity, I guess, but uh, not really. <laughs> organization even doing like some of the basic hygiene stuff of like doing a Vuln scan, doing those sort of things? Yes, they were. But they, they were? Okay, wow. Because that's fixed. one of the problems we have with security. How many security people are the people who go to the business and say, oh my God, we have to fix this right now. We're going to die. But you're not. I'll give you a good example. What is the CVSS score on somebody running SSL version two? I, I don't know. I would have expected it to be high, but uh, right. yeah. Okay. So it's a high number, right? Yeah. Let's say nine. 
I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but let's go nine. Now, let me ask you a question. In the last 30 years, what organization has been breached because they were running SSL version two? Yeah, this that would be zero. That would be zero. Okay. We have zero known compromises that are public. I'm not, I'm not going to try to come, oh, I know everything, right? We have <laughs> zero known compromises that were caused because of SSL version two. But I have organizations that are running Windows Vista, but not SSL v2 because their auditors hyped that their SSL <laughs> configurations have to be fixed. Their security team was like, right. oh my God, right? Same thing with how many times have you heard a security consultant or a security team say, well, we have to fix that or we'll have reputational harm. Which now, is usually a target. fallacy, right? Yeah, target stock dipped for like two seconds. And then, yeah, and then went right back up and, and everything else <laughs> like that, right? I had, I had an argument with a guy in class one day and the guy said, no, 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 my company has done the research. Our biggest worry is reputational risk. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, you're wrong. I'm sorry, you're wrong. And the guy's like, no, 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 my company knows. Okay, fine, I'll ask. Where do you work? And the dude said, I work at Comcast. And I busted out laughing because I said, you can't have a worse reputation. Like, I'm a Comcast subscriber. It's the only internet connection I can get at my house. They're a monopoly, yes. And I would like them to be hacked because the hackers would run their network better, right? Like, <laughs> you would be reputational help. But, but the reality is most security groups, most security teams, because of lack of training and ignorance, and please understand that when I say ignorance, that's not an insult. Ignorance means you don't know. Don't know, right. right? That, that is that simple. I know we've used you're ignorant as an insult. <laughs> That's not how I mean it. But due to a, a, an ignorance, we see way too many security people that don't know how to get to where they want to get to and don't understand that their responsibility is to help the business. Right. There is zero businesses in the world that profit by being secure. And Chris, just to, to weave you in a bit, uh, how much are you seeing the lack of training or access to training impacting your customers too? Well, it's, it's getting a little bit better. I, I do quite a bit of work with transitioning veterans. Good. Um, most of them come out of the uh, intelligence wow. community, so they kind of want to step, you know, step right. A lot of the, specifically the vendors that we work with are guys like Fortinet and uh, Cisco and, you know, mostly the big guys, but they all have programs where transitioning veterans can come in, apply. We actually have a program at TAG where we we give a scholarship to two or three veterans a year so we can send them through our, wow. um, through NYU, um, the cybersecurity program there. So we we do that. We, we have a very tight relationship with the folks at NYU, but I think it's just a lot of times when I talk to these kids, it's really, they don't even know where to start. Yep. That's kind of the that's kind of the outbound education side we're working on. So we worked with it up until COVID shut everything down. It's just not started back up here locally. When somebody is leaving the service, there's like this six month program where they train them in a topic. The soldier, the the sailor, the whatever can actually say, "I want to be I want to be a project manager. I want to go into business. Mm, I want to yeah. go into cybersecurity. I want to go into IT." And they run them through this program and they get them certifications and stuff like that. We we used to, like I said, up until COVID shut everything down, we would send consultants in to do the classes as they were teaching them because like helping people learn. I've said forever, and, and I'll say again, if somebody has questions, if somebody wants to know where to go, call me, email me. And that's not a sales pitch. I'm not going to sell you a course. Hell, I'll put you in courses for free that <laughs> I run 
to help you learn this stuff because training, we've got to get people better. I talk to way too many people that they don't even understand what it means. Well, I just recently worked with a developer. We're we're doing a test of them. We're we're helping them out. We explained to them that you know we insert a, an interception proxy into the communication and we manipulate the parameters. And the developer's like, well, but you can't do that. And we're like, what can't we do? And they're like, you can't intercept that traffic. And we're like, why not? I mean, like, we just showed you us doing it, but <laughs> and but but let's not argue that. Like, why not? And they're like, oh, it, it uses HTTPS and the browser will not let you talk to something. I'm like, um, I'm sorry to break the news, but that's not true, right? Like, right. I, as a matter of fact, I just showed you. And they're like, yeah, but your computer is special. No, my computer is not special. I would like to pretend that I'm a wizard and know all this kind of stuff that nobody else knows. But the, but the reality is we didn't do anything special. We intercepted it with a tool that's freely available. Oh, that's not possible. Okay. I, and, it, and it's, again, not that this developer was stupid. The developer was ignorant. The developer didn't know. Nobody has right. told them. Nobody has taught them. Nobody has shown them. And I talked to the security team at that organization. And the security team's like, well, that's not our responsibility. Like, what do you mean it's not your responsibility? Well, why should we be training developers? We have to <laughs> we have to look for threats. So well, the threats are inside the house, right? Like your developers are your threat, not because they're malicious, not because they're bad, but because they're ignorant and you're not doing anything to help them. And, and Kevin, for those folks that don't have a security team or have a very small one, and they just want to get a basic, where do I start? What, what would be your recommendation for those folks that just have to at least know something. I highly recommend the MITRE ATT&CK and DEFEND framework. I highly mm -hmm. recommend looking at CI securities uh, publicly and freely available checklists. Right. Um, like, look, you want to get overwhelmed, go read the uh, DISA STIGs or go read <laughs> NIST 800-53. Right. Um, one, it'll put you to sleep. Two, it will overwhelm you and you'll be like, oh my God, I can never do any of this. And you'll just give up <laughs> and then you won't worry about it. But really, if you go and look at top 18, it used to be a top 20. Right. Uh, the CIS, controls, uh, they, they, yeah. I guess two of them weren't important anymore. You know, reading the top 18 controls from CI security. If you go and grab the OWASP top 10 application risks, depending on what your focus is, right? Yeah. And if at the very least, you understand what those lists mean, pick a vulnerability and read about it. Talk to people. There, there. I guarantee you that no matter where you are in the world, there is a group either close by or online right. that you can join for free to talk to people who are in that position. There's Slack channels, there are Discord channels. Now there's Mastodon. And, and here's the way to tell somebody's good at security. Ask them a question. If their answer is to talk to you about it and give you some answers, or maybe say, man, I don't know, let's look into that. Or, hey, I know this other person, they're good at security. If their answer is, I, I'm a consultant, you need to pay me for that information. Oh, <laughs> they're jerks. <laughs> right? That I see it too often. You see these people on Twitter or Facebook or Reddit or whatever, and somebody will ask a question and they get defensive. Like, that's how I make my money. The right. good security teams, the good security people, the good, they'll share every bit of their information because we all know there's no special sauce to what we do. It's experience. And the only way to get experience is to learn. 
And Kevin, you were going to also talk a little bit about something I think just about every organization struggles with, but certainly, again, small orgs that maybe are just starting to do some security or, again, have been yeah. some people have been tasked with it on how to make it relevant to the business. That's the most important thing to be able to do is as you look at stuff, you have to understand what the business is doing. I'll pick on secure ideas here because... I'm most familiar with what we do, right? When we go and talk to companies, when we talk to uh, personnel, one of the very first questions we ask is, what is your business goal? What are you trying to accomplish? Not what are you trying to accomplish with security, but what are you trying to accomplish as an organization? If your organization's goal is, I want to make a billion dollars in sales, great. Then let's talk about how security can help you do that well. How right. Security can help you accomplish that goal. Um, I've, I've just started listening to this book. I, I always hate calling it reading. I do read books, but in this case, I'm listening to it. And it's called An Economist Walked Into a Brothel. I was talking to this person last week and they recommended it to me and I started listening to it. And the book is excellent. And it, it's basically talking about risk assessments to understand what is the riskiest choice, what's the less risky choice, which way, way should you go? And it's based on, you know, this economist went and interviewed people that worked at legal brothels and why they worked there and, and things like that. Uh, it's, a, it's actually quite interesting. But wow. um, one of the things that they talked about is that way too often we make choices based on what we think the right choice we are approached with now is, not what our goals are. So should I drop out of college and take this good job or should I stay in college and get a degree and not take the job? If I look at the context of those two choices, I'm going to make a decision. But the problem is that decision doesn't necessarily mean I'm paying attention to what my ultimate goal is. If my ultimate goal is I want a job to make myself stable and not worry about money because I grew up poor and I don't want to be there again, right? Yeah then the answer is different than if my job, my goal is I want a degree because I want the prestige of having a PhD or something like that, sure. right? What's your ultimate goal? And the same thing goes with security. When you look at, should we focus on this? Should we go with that solution or this solution or whatever? It's critical for you to understand what is the goal of the business. What is the business trying to do? So help put that in context for someone who is either just starting off in security or just trying to start some form of security in their organization. Say that they, they realize that, you know, maybe getting a vault scanner might be one of the first, right? And, and that's a legit first move if you have oh, yeah, that. Yeah, for lots of companies, that is absolutely a legit first move. Now, he wants to justify that to the organization saying, this is what we need to do. But other than saying, because vulnerabilities are bad, right? Can, what can well, she do to, to justify that? Right off the bat to justify it, most <laughs> organizations in the U.S. are under contractual or regulatory requirements to have some idea of what vulnerabilities they have. So sure. there's the hammer approach, right? Like, <laughs> right. Or the stick approach, I guess. I don't know. I'm not going to hit somebody with a stick, though. But what about saying to an organization, you know, one of the biggest reasons that we have downtime is because our systems are misconfigured and our systems... Ah the load they have. And if we were to run a vulnerability scan against our organization, not only would we be in compliance with the regulatory and contractual requirements we have, but we would also be able to identify misconfigurations faster 
which will enable us to be more stable, scale better for business, and run our organization, right? So right. now what we've done is we've we've used both the carrot and the stick, right? So stick, I want to be compliant with contracts, but the reality is I really want to process business. And if I can do that more stably with lower downtime and better configurations, because I ran a phone scan once a week, right? Right. <laughs> yep. That's a win. But that's just off the top of my head. That's how I would approach that. No, that's a great right. one. And and Darian or Chris, any other great examples of like a quick win like that, where someone who's not a business person but needs to talk in language of the business can justify some basic security hygiene actions or purchases? That's a loaded question. I think it depends on it depends on the person. Largely because a lot of a lot of folks within organizations that we deal with, they're they're scared to death of the security people. Are they? Yeah, yeah. They're the they're the guys that live in the dark closet. <laughs> Which goes back to Kevin's comment yeah. about we have to be empathetic with people like developers and yeah. go teach them, right? Yeah, and we do scary things that they don't understand. And <laughs> yes, and it kind of goes back to what we talked a little bit earlier about you know kind of how do you kind of build that common information model or the same verbiage or how we how we talk about things you know like oh this may not have been a hack you know because i think people when they come to cybersecurity people they feel stupid as practitioners sometimes we make those people feel, feel stupid yeah. like, and yep. so i i think that gets on it behests many organizations to uh implement you know cybersecurity hygiene programs and 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 just put the lexicon in there so that they understand they can actually start having these conversations and i think it's like any it's like language. When I've had a couple glasses of wine, my French is amazing. But uh, <laughs> when when you're you know when you're you know you're just trying to get through a conversation, I think that a lot of folks just really need to be able to build that confidence to be able to speak and 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 talk to talk to practitioners because. But Which but goes you know, back I, to some of that basic education that Kevin was talking. Yeah, about. and I think Kevin's absolutely spot on. I, I think there's there's a massive arrogance are in our industry from guys who don't know really what they're talking about. Yep. <laughs> um, but if you do, you do find the right person that will say, okay, well, you didn't get hacked, but you, you got breached. Here's what we need to do about it. And then the onus is on security people to build those relationships and build that trust. And it's the other, it's the other side of the business, the rest of the constituencies within the organization of stakeholders it's it's really up to them to kind of learn to ask the right questions. And that's the Delta I see. Sure. So Kevin, I think you're spot on with everything, 100%. Kevin, any other thing that you wanted to add to the those uh, recommendations before we wrap up here? No, I, I think that's a good start. I think uh, the best recommendation is to hire security. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Which of course you would say because you're professionally evil. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Need another pen testing company. <laughs> This has been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you all. I just love from everybody what people like yourselves are doing to give back to the community. Uh, it, this is one of, I think, the most important things we can be doing. And, and I really appreciate all that you do. For our listeners, there will be links to the articles and information you need if you want to follow up on some of the things we've talked about. So once again, thank you, everybody, for tuning into The Threat Show. We're going to have a very special guest. Uh, not that Kevin wasn't special enough. I, I always think you're <laughs> Kevin. But, um, our special guest next week is going to be none other than Dave Kennedy, who will be uh, talking to us uh, about some of the things he's been working on as well. 
we are going to try and even do that as a live stream. So if you want a good laugh and watch us all uh, do our bloopers um, uh, live, please go ahead and tune in. More information uh, will be posted as we get closer to next Friday is when we're going to stream that live. That'll be Friday, November 18th. And with that, thank you, everybody. 